Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com with over 30 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 20% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP414. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution built for small business owners just like you who want to skip the headache at tax time. For a limited time, try FreshBooks free for 60 days. To get started, visit GetFreshBooks.com now and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. This Week on Twip. Photographers suing clients for posting bad reviews, taking photographs in Hungary without permission is now illegal. A photographer wins $1.2 million in a settlement over photographs taken from social media and an interview with Amanda Eddy. It's Wednesday, April 2nd, 2014, and this is Twist. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on this week's show to discuss some of the cool topics and things that are floating around the photosphere are Mr. Silarina and Mr. Juan Pons. Hey, guys. Welcome. Hey, Frederick. Hey, Juan. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Glad to be here. Um, it's good to have I think it's the first time I've had you guys together on the show. And Juan, you've been on, you were on a while back, and then... Oof, a long time right? ago, yes. A long, yes. long time ago, then we did the interview, and Sil, Sil just sort of, Sil was like a submarine, like a U-boat. And <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sil's like a submarine, and then he recently up Periscope about, you know, a couple months ago, so Sil's back in the ocean. <laughs> so, so, welcome to sh- both of you. What's that, Sil? I was going to say, I'm on shore leave, little R&R with you. There you go. Good, 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 good. I was watching this. You know, why I have U-boats in my head? I think there's this U-boat movie. Was it U583 or something? Four fifty-seven, three twenty. That one, yeah, with yeah, with Matthew McConaughey right, and right. You know, all those guys in there. I was just watching that on Netflix the other day. So U-boats are in my head. I I love submarine movies. They never end well. They never do. Yeah, yeah, never. Yeah, something about water and a tube underneath it. You know, yeah, and missiles. And a bunch of men. A bunch of men stuck in a tube. Go figure. Yeah, yeah, that could. Yeah, that's not a good. That's why I joined the Air Force. So, <laughs> no offense to you, Navy folks, but I was in the Air Force. <laughs> Jumping out of airplanes. But then again, up. those are tubes that happen to be in the air. In the air. <laughs> so. yeah, but you can All breathe right. air. Yeah, and you can breathe it though. Yeah. So, so what have you been up to? Last time we talked to you, you were, you were, I think you were just kicking off your, your illustrious career in bending the young minds of, of our youth. Uh, have you succeeded in making many little silarinas? Uh, no, well, that's a whole other topic. Uh, the answer to which is no. In case my wife is watching. There you go. Um, yes. Or listening. I am. Um, so yeah, I've, I've survived another month or so being a high school art and photography teacher. Um, it's a wild world, you know, today. And I mean, and I, I say that sincerely in terms of the things that kids have to deal with. Um, for instance, you know, we all think, oh, kids, you know, everybody's got an iPhone or an iSomething or a smartphone of some sort. Yeah. 
and you think, oh my god, these kids are so tech-savvy. Look at all that stuff they can do on those little devices. That's pretty much where it stops for a whole lot of them. I'm like stunned in some ways at how tech-unsavvy these kids are. Really? So I've become, I've become this, you know, nobody who is like 16 years old, or I shouldn't say nobody, but very few kids who are 15, 16, 17 can type. Okay, like two, you know, ten fingers, touch, type, touch. But they can, they can do the thumb typing all day oh, long. Oh, yeah, yeah. baby. And but, very fast, yes. You, but, you know, it's like, yeah, and they and they write, like, letters or term papers like that as well. And it's like, hello, let's get some paragraph breaks. And, I mean, I'm teaching art, and I'm telling these kids, look, you guys got to do paragraph breaks every once in a while and use capitals, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And maybe so, bar, yeah. Well, are you, like are you teaching too, photography so. or English? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> maybe a little of both, right? So you know, so so the kids kind of got a bum rap when they got me as a full-time teacher because being a published author, I'm like really sensitive mm. to the written word, right? Mm. And, yeah. You know, I'm like, so yeah, they got me for art and photo, and they think, oh yeah, we're checking out of everything we're supposed to know. We're going to hang out in study hall with crayons, and. I come back and like now my students have to like give me 250 word artist statements. Okay, yeah. like I figured out. Uh, I don't understand what you're doing on this board, so you have to like use words now to tell me. Mm. Um, so anyway, it's been an interesting month. I continue to learn how to, um, you know, push them. Uh, rightly so. I mean, everybody thought, oh, art. You know, how hard can it be? Um, and not that I want to make it hard, but I want to make it rigorous in terms of using other parts of their brain. Yeah. Right. Challenging. Yeah, I want to make it worth, you know, their while, but I don't want them to understand that it was worth their while for like 10 years. Right. Know? Now, so I, one question for you. So with, yeah. with these kids and they're turning in these papers and you're making them write the artist statement and all that, Yeah. are they, do you ever have a kid that turns in words that have like LOL or ROFM <laughs> or LMAO or whatever, you know, any, I, any of those capital letter acronyms? I go to UrbanDictionary.com a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh. Yeah, you know, so I, it's 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 been um, it's been an amazing month uh, since I was on the show with the kids. They and I will say this: every once in a while, all of them, never all at the same time, but every one of my 85 or so students, every once in a while, comes through with something that is just so bloody brilliant. And so surprising, it like recharges my batteries instantly and says, this is why you're here. This so is like, why. It's like a respite from the waterboarding. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I could take a little more. I could take a little more. I'm okay. I'm another day. Another period. Yeah, I, I did tell a colleague, it's like living in a 12-step program, you know, just one day at a time. Yeah. Well, good. Well, welcome back. This is this will be your respite for the month. Thanks. You know, yeah. you can hang out on Twip. So also, also in the show is Mr. Juan Pons. You may have heard his voice a couple weeks ago. Um, I did an interview with Juan, and now he's a, a co-host on This Week in Photo. Welcome, Juan. What's going on? Well, thank you. Well, I, I, can't, I can't say that I'm doing something as redeeming as Sill is. Uh, <laughs> Waterboarding. <laughs> yeah. Self-waterboarding. Teaching, teaching our youth, you know, about art and whatnot. Um, I, I do that from time to time, but uh, I've, been, I've been spending a lot of time right here on my desk doing a lot of editing. Um, I'm working on a, a couple of video projects that, you know, as you, and, and, and you know, uh, Fred, and doing doing video editing is is just time. Uh, it's so time intensive, intensive, such time suck oh, that yeah. uh, you know my butt has taken the, the shape of my chair. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I I hear you. What what a what a great a great sort of uh, point to end on. No pun intended. One. <laughs> Trying to think of how to how to phrase that. So yeah. Well, and here I am sitting on my chair yet once more one more hour with you. Yeah. Well, what are you editing? What are you doing all this video editing? Well, you're a photographer. What well, are you doing video? I, I do a lot of things, and you know, part of what I do is I produce a number of videos, and these videos are um they're about photography, really. They're yeah. um I'm, I have a series of videos that I'm putting out with a friend of mine on bird photography for you know high end bird photography mm-hmm. and you know he's you know his name is Alan Murphy he does incredible workshops you know all over the world really and you know his workshops are are small very expensive they sell out it literally in minutes and he and I got together and decided to put his workshops in a video series um, so I go and you know we get together and I, we shoot kind of an installment that's about an hour an hour and a half you know, and then I come home and I edit that, put video, put you know the, the stills, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Teaching mm-hmm. is kind of a, a workshop in a in a video. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. That's really cool. So where where are those at? Are they on your your website? And where's where's that at? Um, <laughs> well, you know what? There is no link on my website to the videos. Well, I, I should fix that. Um, yes. It's uh, <laughs> it's birds through the lens birds through Birds through the lens or birds through lens. BirdsThroughTheLens. Through the lens. Okay. Dot com. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and in there, right. there's there's little uh, uh, previews of the videos and all that kind of stuff, so you can buy the videos and download them. And they're they're a lot of fun. And you know, this guy I call I call Alan the the bird whisperer because nice. he can make birds do amazing things. Very cool. Well, you should ha- you should put him in touch with Sill so he can use some of that bird whis- whispering <laughs> skill on the little kids that Sill <laughs> I'm not sure that would go very well. I don't think that would go very well with the parents. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> sit down, sit down in your chair and shut up. Um, all right, guys. So before we continue with the show, so I am once again. I feel like I just got home and I'm heading back to Vegas again this weekend. So as we record this, we are April second. Thank goodness, April first is over with. So April <laughs> April second um, is the day that we're recording this. I'm heading out to Vegas on the fifth, which is this Saturday for NAB. Speaking of video one. Right, so right, right. right. The, yeah, National Association of Broadcasters Conference. Um, I don't think I've ever been to this conference, and they tell me it's gigantic on the scale of CES. So I'm heading out there. I'm going out there with Sony. We're going to be doing some sort of closed-door recorded sessions of some really interesting and noteworthy individuals, including Vincent LaFerre. You know, you, you may have heard of him. I'm going to be doing an interview with him on sort of the state of cinematography. Another photographer, Jeff Berlin, going to sit down with him and talk about how he mixes sort of consumer-grade gear with high-end grade gear and, you know, his whole process. So kind of a what's-in-your-bag thing. And then a bunch of other people are, are coming on. And all this is going to be hosted. You're going to see posts pop up on This Week in Photo throughout the week next week as we uh, release these little interviews. So they're going to be separate sort of blog posts on This Week in Photo as they roll out. And I believe they're going to be on the Sony website as well. So Very cool. Yeah, it's, I'm excited. I'm excited to go out there and do that, especially with the, you know, these big brands I've been working with. Like Sony is, is gigantic. It's an honor to be uh, to have Twip and Sony sort of side by side in a in a marquee, it's kind of interesting. But you, you know what's cool though is there's so much innovation taking place right now in the video world. I mean, we see a lot of stuff in the on the on the photo side of it and the still side of it, but so many people are using the stills to do video work. I mean, I do a lot of that myself. So there's a lot of stuff just being developed, and NAB is sort of the place to go see this stuff, to play around with all this stuff, and learn about it. 
Yeah, you're right. You know, and that's that's one thing. Before I want to talk about that, but I'm gonna before we jump into that, I want to uh, uh, give a nod to our first sponsor for this episode, and that's our good friends over at Shutterstock.com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock, you'll find the perfect image or video for your next creative project, whether it's for your website, a publication, an advertisement, a video, or any other type of project. You can choose from over 30 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. And Shutterstock sources their images from around the world and then puts them at your fingertips. And many of the contributors to Shutterstock are professional photographers and artists. Shutterstock reviews each image individually for content and quality before adding it to its library. Shutterstock adds over 20,000 images every day, so every time you visit, you'll find something new. Plus, Shutterstock has flexible pricing. You can choose individual image packs or a monthly subscription for the best deal. You can download 25 images per day with a standard subscription. And you can download any image in any size and you pay only one price. Shutterstock gives you the images you need to bring your creative projects to the next level and they make it easy. Now you can try Shutterstock today by signing up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. You can just start an account and begin using Shutterstock to help imagine what your next project could be like and save your favorite images to a light box for review later. Then once you decide to purchase, use the offer code TWIP414 and new accounts will receive 20% off any package. That's Shutterstock.com and for 20% off new accounts, use the offer code TWIP414. We thank Shutterstock for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, to continue the discussion uh, about, one, you were talking about the sort of convergence of, of photography and videography or cinematography and that sort of thing. And I'll tell you, one of the, one of the things that I'm interested in learning about it at NAB next week is this whole rise of 4K. We've been hearing 4K, right. there's 4K that, and I, I just got a really nice smart TV, which is not 4K, and I'm like, can it get much better? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Do I really need another TV? But I was talking to some photographers. Actually, I was talking to Jeff Berlin the other day, and he was telling me that he is he has done some projects where he's able to just pull frames. And Julio Shoria was telling me this as well. He's able to just pull a frame of 4K footage, and you've got a still a multi-megapixel still mm -hmm. there that you can go to print with. Like he went to magazine press with a frame grab or an exported frame from a 4K video. So for you guys, Juan, I'm going to have you start off since you started this conversation. Look at, when you look at that kind of thing, does this mean that, you know, the days of, okay, I have a camera that can shoot 12 frames a second and, you know, <laughs> DSLR and all that, is, are all those, is that world sort of trailing off and the, the, the convergence or shooting video and just capturing a segment in time and then pulling frames from that rather than going for the the decisive moment are the are the days of the decisive moment over and now we're going to have the decisive window of time what do you think well yeah it's kind of funny because we, we did have a uh, uh yeah and i don't mean to plug it here but uh on the dp experience podcast we did have an, a photographer i'm trying to think of the name right now who actually does this a lot and this yeah. is the, his main way to actually capture stills is really to um, shoot videos and then pull stills from that. Um, yeah. I, I've done that, you know, when I needed a still to use for like a promotional video or something like that. I've never done like a nice high quality print of it. Because one of the challenges is that when you're shooting video, 
um, and a lot of still photographers may not know this, but when you're shooting video, you want to be shooting at actually a relatively slow shutter speed. You're shooting at one fiftieth of a second, one sixtieth of a second. Mm -hmm. And the reason you do that is because you you know the, the, that you have to do it in order for the video to have a smooth flow to it. Otherwise, you get this kind of sort of staccato type effect where things look kind of stuttery. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't necessarily think that this is going to be you know kind of the the big thing going on because. You know, especially for me, for example, in wildlife photography, I'm shooting always in high shutter, you know, very, very fast shutter speeds. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah. if I'm shooting video and there is an animal running, you know, I pull the still from that, guess what? That that frame is going to be kind it's of It's not going to work. Yeah, but okay, but still, still, if you look at this, you, can you see, can you portend, I'm trying to use big words because still, <laughs> can you... <laughs> Can you foresee? I gotta, I gotta look it up. Today, <laughs> that's not gonna be on Urban Dictionary, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Can you foresee a day when, say, a photographer will set up instead of like, you know, say it's a fashion photographer, mm -hmm. and he's gonna set up instead of saying, okay, I got my lights, I got my model, I got my makeup artist, got you know my stylist. I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting. Okay, turn to the left. Yeah, give me more emotion. Instead of doing that, he, the photographer sets the camera up on sticks gets closer to the model and just directs that way, knowing that the camera is recording the entire segment, and then later harvesting that footage to find the right shot. What do you think? So, so I think there's a couple of things. Juan's exactly right, and he knows far more about video than I do. But, um, you know, generally speaking, your shutter sheet speed should be twice your frame rate. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean, though, I mean, that, that's really from the guy who's going to say, oh, yeah, I can get stills out of my video. What intrigues me is the idea of saying, oh, let's take this camera that shoots 30 frames a minute or a second, 30 frames a minute. I can almost do that. <laughs> um, I could probably handle that too. <laughs> um, and, you know, let's, let's shoot 30 frames a second or 60 frames a second. Now, what if we just said, okay, we're not shooting video. We're going to go ahead and get that thousandth of a second or two thousandth of a second shutter speed. And now we are really having like the super fast motor drive. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting technology that, yeah, maybe for a sports shooter. Um, I'm going up to Denver next week. I'll give a quick plug. Uh, I'm going up to Denver to do Peter Reed Miller's sports photography workshop mm, with Peter. Oh, cool. cool. And, Who has been a guest on this week in photo? Yeah, I, exactly. Not too long ago, as I recall. Yeah. And so I love, you know, that's like the only time I do, a, like the two weeks a year when I teach with Peter, are the only times when I do a lot of action photography where like 14 frames a second actually means something to me. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, maybe going forward having something that does shoot 30 frames a second at those high shutter speeds, if you're just going to totally sacrifice the, the cinematic effect that you need for true video. But the other side of it, you've got to keep in mind there is the need if you're going to light something, you have to go to continuous lights. There is no way that electronic lights, you know, electronic flash, of even of the high-end types that you might use on a fashion shoot, there's no way they're going to fire and fill a giant softbox 30 times a but second. We've got LEDs now. I mean, they've got some crazy LEDs that can, that are like the surface of the sun. I'm just of... yeah, that or you know HMIs. I mean, there's all kinds of continuous light sources that if you've got the budget, um, can certainly be deployed to do those kind of things. So, is a technology that's going to sweep over? It's going to have the same effect that the 5D Mark II had. I don't think so, yeah. yeah. but is it going to be really interesting to see how it rolls out? I mean, I'm not running out to get a 4K TV in my house. I barely got like a big screen last year, and I don't even know if it's a half a K. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, 
it's new technology, you know, you got to have, I mean, the whole, the whole workflow. Right. See, that's you. You hit on a point there, still on this 4K thing, because that's that's one of the things that I'm interested in learning at NAB. Is just, is it is is 4K or the 4K movement a manufacturer's thing? Because remember, it was the whole a couple of years ago at CES or NAB or whatever. It was all about 3D TVs. Right. right. Everybody's that's the next big thing. is 3D TVs. Everybody has to get one. I have a 3D TV and have I think I use put those glasses on once, you know, because I'm like and you don't hear about them anymore, right? Right, you don't hear about them. It's no longer the big thing. So I'm right. 4K seems more plausible because it's a higher resolution. But then I question the the devil's advocate in me questions. Is it do like my TV right now is awesome? <laughs> like, right. Yeah, it's beautiful. I look at it. I'm like, okay, how much more am I gonna get? So right, here's you know. here's and here's I'm getting my... older too. My, my eyes are getting worse, right? So... Yeah. Pretty soon you'll be having yeah. curly hair like me, and then it's all downhill. <laughs> it's like, um, it's like a retina display. Do I really need the retina display? My retinas aren't that good anymore. <laughs> you know, I, here here's the thought that I'll share. If you've got the budget to get the gear, and you've got the the throughput on your workflow to process that much data. I think you're definitely future-proofing yourself. It's like it's like saying, "Oh, I'm going to go shoot 16-bit stills rather than 8-bit stills, even though I'm getting colors that I can't see on my screen today." Yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe five or ten years down the road, I'm going to say, "Ah, oh, I'm so glad I did that." Would I say, "Oh, you know, if I was doing a lot of video, would I like go out and throw out everything?" I don't know. It's like there's 4K everything. I got a 4K wristwatch coming soon. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I think, I think I on that devil's advocate thing, you know, um, uh, you know, most people. When presented with 720p video and 1080p video, most people can't tell the difference mm -hmm. um, between those two. And you think about 4K. 4K is, I mean, I, I don't know why they called it 4K, but 4K is 4 megapixels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I started shooting, I don't know, 15 years ago digital with a 3 megapixel camera. So we're right. kind of going back into that, in, in, into that uh, smaller uh, data rate that for stills, I'm not so sure... You know what? Can, what? What could I do with a three-megapixel camera, or four-megapixel camera, or four-megapixel image? Um, that besides putting it on the web nowadays, yeah. if I want to make a nice big print, four-megapixel image, how much? You know, how much am I going to do with that? Now, yeah. the 4K stuff comes in handy when you're shooting in, you know, kind of IMAX-type theaters, right, or mm -hmm. outdoor display-type type situations. But at home, I mean, I'm sort of, you know, kind of playing your devil advocate there. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think we're, it, from what I'm learning, it feels like we're kind of in this, again, middle ground, right? So from a still photographer standpoint, we're almost there. We can pull really decent quality 4 megapixel stills from a frame of video and, and do some decent work with it, right? Whereas before, it was harder because it was just, you know, it was not good, you know? And now we're at a level where it's actually good. You could do some stuff, but it's still not going to replace this the proper still camera. On the video side, 4K, like Sil was saying, represents the best that you can get right now, and sure. the market is moving in that direction. So if you're a pro, it behooves you to start shooting in 4K today to future-proof future yourself because it's not like, you know, next year CES, it's going to be 5K or, you know, it's going <laughs> to be the next big thing for a while to come. So, yeah, so it's interesting kind of where we sit between that, you know, especially as still photographers who also shoot video and videographers who also happen to shoot stills. It's kind of this weird middle ground. You know, I'm sort of wondering, too, when you think about the distribution for a lot of this video, a lot of the stuff that you do, the lot of stuff that I do, you know, it's mostly web, you know, the delivery for the delivery vehicles, the web. 
you know, and a lot of people struggle at 720. You know, a lot of people can't do 1080. You know, how mm-hmm. how long is it going to take for us to get there to the point where 4K gets there? I, I'm, and I'm, I'm on board with that sales set about the future-proofing. I'm just talking, I'm just thinking about the delivering and the consumption today. Where Where is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's funny that we're talking about this because, like, literally an hour and a half ago, I had a, a conversation with my neighbor, Matt, next door, and we were talking about 4K and does he need 4K and, you know, the the mm. where we netted out on it was if you're serious about getting into video and, you know, and doing high-end video and you're going to move up to it, you should probably be shooting in 4K and building your workflow around a 4K workflow and then delivering it down to, you know, whatever resolutions are necessary. Because he wants to do, like, aerial photography and then of, of interesting places around California and then put it on iStock or Shutterstock or something like that. And my response to him was, yeah, you need to be shooting 4K because people are going to want to buy 4K footage, plus you can dumb it down to the different resolutions right. that may be necessary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, there's – just like everything we talk about on this show, there's no one right answer. For right, so that's my favorite answer. It depends. It yeah. depends. It depends. So, Juan, you, you host a show on uh, a podcast called DP Experience, right? So tell, tell us about that before we get for, go forward. I wanted you to talk about it at the top, but I forgot to ask you. But yeah, no, no. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I co-host a, a podcast with my uh, good friend and your friend, uh, Rick Salmon. I know, the godfather, uh, yeah. The godfather of photography. Um, yeah. He and I have been doing this show, I think, for uh, over four years now. Uh, believe it or not, we're going to be recording our 100th episode at um, Photoshop World on, um, I think we're going to start on the 8th of this month. Very cool. Uh, awesome. The podcast comes out twice a month, so that way we don't have as many as you do because you come out weekly. Yes. But we come out twice a month. Um, and, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, everything about photography. We do a lot of interviews and we uh, answer questions that people send in. Or, and Rick and I just talk about different things. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we've been doing it now for quite a while and, uh, you know, there's no, there's no stopping us. We love doing it. Awesome. Yeah, we'll link over to that in the show notes for this episode. There's always people think, oh, it's com- competition. There's always no, no, no. a different perspective, and there's so much stuff going on in photography. You know, it's just, it's you know, it's not like TV where you're competing for eyeballs. I mean, because if it were like TV, Twip would be The Walking Dead. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we would be like Breaking Boom. Bad. <laughs> You'd be like what? Like Breaking Bad. There you go. Breaking <laughs> Bad, Walking Dead. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'll take Walking Dead, though. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, and I'm sure you hear this a lot, is, you know, a lot of our listeners say, you know, we like the format that you guys have, which is an hour long, because most people commute, you know, half an hour in the morning and half an hour in the evening. Mm-hmm. So they get to listen to an episode every day. Now, they're five days a week. So think about that. Yeah. You know, there's not that many podcasts people could be listening to. I know, I know. And when, it's funny when people first discover TWIP, you know, they, they tend to go back into the archives and try right. to get caught up. There's no catching up, trust no. me. No. <laughs> so, yeah, we're five years people, in, dude. You're not going to catch up. <laughs> I've had a few people who have said, I have finally caught up to the DPE Experience podcast. I'm like, oh, my God. You must be sick of me by now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great, though. It's great that we can do this. Anyway, but I digress. Let me let me take this, uh, this next story I want to talk about. And it's about photographers that are using fine print to sue clients for posting bad reviews. I'm going to read this. So, again, our awesome show notes writer, uh, Bruce, put this uh, this little blurb in here for us to get chew on before we start talking about it. 
So he wrote in here, we've heard many stories about clients suing photographers and videographers because they weren't satisfied with the finished product they received. These same dissatisfied customers are also or have also been known to voice their displeasure to the world by posting bad reviews. Human nature. Now, the not capital K, the knot is reporting that a new trend appears to be emerging whereby wedding vendors are writing clauses into their contracts to prevent clients from leaving bad reviews on sites such as Yelp and Google. These clauses threaten to sue clients for defamation if they leave a bad review. Legal experts doubt that these clauses would be enforceable and raise the question of whether using intimidation tactics with clients only serves to give the vendor a bad name. Silarina, can we legally stop people on the web from writing bad reviews? Come on. Hey, I, I'm no expert, and I've never even played an expert on TV, but um, common, <laughs> sen <laughs> common sense says, um, you know, you can't really take away somebody's First Amendment rights, even if they don't read the boilerplate and you trick them into signing. Yeah. But I, I tell you what. The marketplace will sweep these people away pretty darn quick. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. You know, it is yeah. ludicrous. If I was a prospective client and a wedding photographer or anybody said, if I do a crappy job and you go out there and say mean things about me, I'm going to sue you. Mm -hmm. I'd say, don't you have the confidence in yourself that I should be able to speak freely about my experience with you? Yeah. So I just, that I think, reminds me of like a restaurant. What if you went to a restaurant and <laughs> well, before they seated you at your table, the maitre d' gives you a little piece of paper and says, you know what, I'm going to need you to sign this indemnification clause just in case you get botulism or something. Yeah. I'm just, you're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, the soup's not too good tonight, so you know, I'm going to have you sign this paper here. Exactly, but come on in and enjoy yourself. I, mean, I don't know. One, what, 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 oh, go ahead, Sil, were you going to say something? No, I was going to say, you know, I just, again, I think it's, I think it is, uh, it doesn't surprise me, you know, stuff like this comes to the top all the time, but... I don't know. The market is just going to uh, kill these people, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, I think it's it's going to be self-policing internet. Like this, like the, the blurb that I read said, you know, it's, I don't think it's enforceable. But it'll be an interesting to see, especially report on, on This Week in Photo, the first case of an actual suit <laughs> that gets filed against somebody for writing a bad Yelp review, especially if it's yeah. justified. Yelp Juan, Juan, what do you think? Would you, would you... Like say you're you're not a photographer, you're a customer of photography, and you saw this. What what would that lead you to believe? Oh my God, yeah, there's no way. I mean, I just I agree with Sil. I'd I'd stay away from this person as far as I could possibly be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but unfortunately, I think I think the reality is a lot of people don't read these things, right? right. I mean, who reads these agreements or these legal uh, agreements? And I think what's going to happen is that these things are going to be used kind of as a as a as a, uh, a threat. Mm -hmm. More than anything else, I don't think you're going to see any any cases go uh, again, you know, before courts or anything, because I mean they have no leg to stand on. But you know, someone that doesn't know, you know, they posted a, they didn't read the the uh, uh, the fine print, and they posted a bad review. The photographer comes up to them and say, you know, I could sue you. You better take that down. People mm -hmm. get intimidated, right? Yeah. And they, they don't want to go through the hassle. Who wants to go through the hassle? Um, but I think I think you know once people start learning about this and the word spreads around, you know, and you see this. I've seen this before and I've heard about this before, and unfortunately, I think it's more pervasive in the um, wedding industry, yeah. wedding photography yeah. industry. And you know, as you know, 
a lot of that is word of mouth, right? It is. You know? It's word of mouth and referral. The whole industry is built on that. Exactly. PPI is so everyone has to go there because you have to. You have to. You know. Get those referrals. That's so yeah, great. so once once you once you scorn this one bride, <laughs> she's gonna tell all her friends never to use this right. guy. Right, right. Oh it just it smacks to me of the prenup. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm against having a prenup, I'm just saying, you know, but it's sort it still's looking at me. So you got a prenup in you. <laughs> uh, you know, I may have one, but Amy and I've been married twenty four years. I can't remember. <laughs> 24 years, so the prenup said, I get to keep my go-kart, you get to keep your Barbie if we yeah. have a <laughs> Pretty much. Every, anything else after the go-kart and the Barbie, we're split 50-50. Anything we had back then is like composted. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I know. Ashes to ashes. I don't know. Juan, have you ever gotten a bad review online? Has anybody ever posted negative stuff about you? Um, not that I recall. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think I've seen anything like that. You know, but it, it, as as always, you know, the the best thing is prevention, right? And right. to me, the fact that you had a bad review from somebody meant that you weren't a good communicator with this person. And yeah. You didn't talk to them. You didn't understand their concerns. You weren't sure that they were satisfied at the end. Um, and if you did, if you did all those things, then you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Or the other piece is, if you're a, a really good photographer, you shouldn't even have to worry about people posting yes. stuff about you. I mean, come on. So you wrote a book. I mean, you've, you're a, like you said at the beginning, you're a published author. People leave reviews on your stuff all the time on Amazon, <laughs> and we know how those Amazon people oh, they're, they're hilarious. are. You know, <laughs> no offense if you live in your basement. I'm just saying, your parents' basement. But some people that get on Amazon and just blaze and fire away yeah, yeah. these just unsubstantiated negative reviews at authors that got sick like Sill trying to get these books out you know yeah. it just it gets under my fingernails you yeah. got some of these reviews though didn't you I, you know I did and again the marketplace sniffs those things out because there are there are definitely trolls out there who are just looking to pick fights mm -hmm. um, and by the way I've, I've written my best books while sitting in a basement, so I got nothing against the basement. <laughs> but was it your parents' basement, Phil? Uh, no. They kicked, they, they kicked me out of that when I was 42, so I had my own basement. Um, no, I, you know, but I think if you're going to hold yourself out as a pro, you got to do what Juan said. You've got to be a great communicator, and you've truly got to care about your clients. And you've got to believe in the powers of the marketplace. If you do a good job... People are going to champion your cause. They're going to champion your work. Um, you, you know, I, I mean, I'm stunned. I, I'm past the days where I get up every morning. The first thing I do is look at my Amazon review count. Um, <laughs> but I do it like once a month now. You know, Speedlier's Handbook has been out, I don't know, three and a half years. It's got almost 400 reader reviews. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, that strokes my ego, but I also really want to read the bad ones because that tells me as an author, that tells me something important when I go forward and continue to write again. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody's got a gripe and it's a valid gripe as a pro, you should learn from it and you should accept it. Yeah, I was looking, um, I was looking at my shelf back here. So I know I have a Speedlighter's Handbook up here somewhere, but I was looking for that other one you wrote called Lid Lips. You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what's what is Lidlips an acronym for? <laughs> Lessons I didn't learn in photo school. <laughs> it was funny. it was a hundred 
uh, 100 micro-essays. They're like a half page long. It's a perfect book for the top of the toilet in a photographer's studio. That was the market plan for that yeah, book. In fact, I think that's why it's not on my bookshelf. I think it is. <laughs> It might be on the throne. I'm just saying. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but again, it's it's important to understand. People are going to be dissatisfied, even when you think you've done a perfectly good job. Um, you got to reach out, try to fix it if you can, and then you just go on. You know, if you, I, I, when Speedlighter's Handbook first came out, and some bad stuff came out on the web, not through Amazon reviews, but elsewhere. Um, you know, it really took me down for a while, and the yeah. great takeaway from that was. If you're going to be a creative person and express yourself in words and video and photography, whatever it is, you got to have a thick skin. You got to let the negative stuff go because otherwise it just sucks you down and steals oh, yeah. your creative drive. You know? Oh, yeah. Where, Juan, you know about that, especially, you know, on approaching episode 100, episode 354 on TWIP we're at right now. My skin is like an alligator wearing armor. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. You got to be. I mean, because there's, there's, no matter what we talk about, there's always going to be people that don't dis that disagree with you, right? Because if you talk negatively about a camera, the people that like that camera think you're full of it, and other people think, oh, you were spot on, you know? There's always people that say, more Nikon, less Nikon, more Canon, less Canon, more mirrorless, less mirrorless, you know? So, and I get these emails all the time, and I think after, like, the first 100 or so episodes of TWIP, or 50 or so episodes of TWIP, I, it, I finally sunk in that, you know what, you can't please all the people all the time. You just got to stay true to yourself, do the show to the best of your ability, be honest, be straightforward, and then let people take it or leave it, you know. It, and yeah, like, like Sil like said, you have to um, take it also with a grain of salt. You mm -hmm. know, you have to learn from what people post because, you know, some of those negative reviews, yes, yes, there's tons of trolls out there that are just... They love just to, I don't know, get under people's skins. Yeah. Um, but then there's some kernels of truth in there, too, and it's something that you can always take and incorporate into your next venture and your next right. episode or whatnot. Um, I mean, just like you, you know, at the very beginning when we came out with a podcast, and I was watching all those iTunes reviews like a hawk. Um, and now I look at them, and, you know, there's a lot of great ones, and there's some hilarious ones, and there's some, like, you know, what is this person doing? What, what are they talking yeah. about? Yeah. Have they even listened to what we talk about? Um, and, you know, you, you take them with a grain of salt, and uh, you try to learn from where you can, and then move on. You can't, you can't let them get to you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right, guys, let's move on to this next story. It's about taking photographs in Hungary. Apparently, if you do that without permission... It's illegal. So listen to this blurb. So last week, a new civil code in Hungary was adopted that makes it illegal to photograph a person in public without their consent. The recent changes expanded. The recent changes expanded upon the current law that prevented images from being published without consent. Photojournalists and other photographers claim that the new laws further erode their rights and make <clears throat> and make it increasingly difficult for them to do their jobs. In Hungary, additional laws also make it illegal for the faces of police officers to be published without their faces being pixelated or blurred out. Hmm. Silarino, wow. what does this mean for the street photographer in Hungary? You're just you're no longer a street <laughs> photographer? Or are you gonna buy, be buying duck blinds in Hungary to do <laughs> I think I think it's gonna take the Hungarian street photographers up to a totally new level 
Because yeah, the roof, you mean? <laughs> no, they won't want to get caught, right? right? It's like, you know, good street photographers practice their handcraft and how they move their cameras and the whole thing. Yeah. It's not like you walk up to something interesting and go, uh, could you hold that? i got to figure out my exposure triangle here for just a minute. So is this going to stop them from doing street photography? I don't think so. But, again, I'm not an expert. I've never played one on TV. Yeah. So I don't know, you know. Um, it's an interesting kind of big anti-Big Brother thing, sort of. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. i got to say i got no plans to go to Hungary. But I'd certainly like to someday because I've seen the photos. Yeah. With, yeah you know. I, one, one, do you think these kind of laws, is Hungary a, a trailblazer, so to speak, and we're going to see these kind of laws make their way to other places, like, say, the U.K., which kind of you know has that a little bit now? Yeah, I mean that, that's the that's a concerning part about this, and we've we've had a lot of issues like this in in the U.S. too. I mean, you hear about horror stories in big cities, but you know, uh, yeah. all the time about uh, people being harassed by the police or security. Yeah, people don't know where you yeah, can't. Yeah, it's everywhere. Um, you know, luckily here we we do have a process in which we can apply pressure, um, and that pressure is felt by politicians or or public servants and whatnot in countries like Hungary you know, which are, you know, just recently entering kind of a democracy, mm -hmm. right? Things mm -hmm. take a little longer to sort of permeate in that direction. Um, so I think that there is still some of some of vestigial uh, 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 authoritarianism, if you will, in those countries where they say, you know what, we don't like this, so we're just going to put a big stamp here that you can't do this. Eventually, I think that that will change, you know, as, as, as those cultures become a little freer, a little more comfortable with uh, with democracy and uh, holding into account the you know public servants and in the government um, that may change but it, it's it's kind of scary I mean the fact that you couldn't even publish before and now you can't even take images you know I think actually when I go there I'm gonna bring my 500 lens only yeah yeah you're <laughs> and that, I could be shooting and, from a half a mile away and the duck blind I'm telling you you just set up in the corner yeah. with a little <laughs> duck blind you know and just you know shoot out of that you'll be fine. <laughs> You know, I don't, you know, but let me let me just jump in here on this because um, when I was in Atlanta last fall for for Peter's sports photography workshop, then I remember seeing this police car in the, right in front of us that had cameras all across the trunk and like 360 degrees of cameras on this police car in Atlanta. And I asked my friend who lives in Atlanta, it's like, what's up with that car? And he said, oh yeah, that's what the Atlanta PD is moving towards. They video every driver and they do face recognition and they video every license plate and it's continuously scanned so that if somebody who's got traffic violations or probation or whatever, mm -hmm. it like pops up and it just occurs to me, you take this George Orwellian kind of approach to this and it's like, oh, government's going to outlaw people taking photographs so now only the government will have cameras that can photograph people and you look at like you know it's been it's been a number of years since I've been to London but you look at all the cameras over there it's like nobody can move without being on a camera yeah so i don't know that's the other side of this it's like government says it's illegal for you and I to take pictures of people without their permission, but they're certainly taking full advantage of doing that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that, I mean, and wait till the drone fleet hits, right? When we have these, you know, the drones flying overhead with the gimbals <laughs> and cameras and GPS and all that stuff, and 
Yeah, that's the conspiracy theorist, but I'm buying a drone, so it's okay. <laughs> so. Hey, I, I got one over here if you want to take a look at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally want one of those. That's the other thing that's that's NAB related. I'm looking forward to seeing that. DJI apparently, I'm just totally on a rail here. DJI apparently has a booth with uh, a tunnel in it where you can fly drones inside <laughs> on the convention floor there. So definitely want to check that out. Yeah, that's that's one of them. <laughs> Look at that. They're yeah, everywhere. Yeah, this is the, the, uh, this is the, uh, the DJI Phantom drone that come, has its own little camera. This is not only a, a hoot to fly, but it's, I mean, the footage that you get. Unreal. I was just in uh, Acadia National Park last weekend shooting some footage there, and uh, I got in trouble, by the way, but you can't do that in Acadia. Oh, Uh, really? The cops came, huh? Well, you know, I got lucky. I had the nicest park ranger you've ever run into, Um, and he wasn't sure whether it was legal or not. He looked it up and then told me, you know, it's okay. I didn't know either, so, you know, just don't do it again. Yeah. Did Did he take your memory card? No, no, he didn't. <laughs> he wanted to Good see the you. video, actually. He's like, man, those things are cool. Yeah, cool. All right, guys, let's move on. We're almost at the end of the hour here. Look at this. This oh, show wow. just flies by. Um, this next story is, um, so basically, let me read this to you. A Canadian photographer who posted photographs of the earthquake in Haiti to his Twitter account has won a $1.2 million settlement in involving the Associated Press, AFP, and Getty Images. A wire service in France, or the AFP, took the images from his Twitter account and shared them with Getty, who then went on to license the images to a news organization, including, or to news organizations, plural, including CNN, ABC, and the Washington Post, who Jeff Bezos now owns, by the way. Uh, So, yeah, so we'll we'll put the, the, the rest of the story in there, but... 1.2 1.2 million dollars for a Twitter shot. Still, if <laughs> I he went out pretty well, didn't he? So, <laughs> what, what, what are you thinking? I mean, would you? I uh... just, I just wondered if he shot it in 4K or not. I mean, you know, because it could have been like five million if he had. Oh man, that is. Know, you know, it's a wild and weird world. Um, I. Man, I don't know what the legality is because in some ways by putting stuff out on the web like on Twitter where you give up control, is that entering it into the public domain? I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and is this one of those situations, I, I'm reading it now and um, you know, it was awarded by a court rather than being settled. Um, mm-hmm. I do know, you know where there's um, infringement and damages. You know, if he would in fact filed an official copyright um, notice on the image before he filed his claim or within 30 days of finding out about the infringement, the um, the punitive damages go you know up like crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad to hear that a photographer's getting some money for photographs. <laughs> for something, yeah. 1.2 <laughs> mil. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. I kind I kind of feel like it's in a way sort of like Vegas, though. You know, it's like. Yeah. There's been a lot of other instances where things very similar to this happen, and the photographer doesn't prevail. Or is like, or in other words, they got caught on this one, right? So, but how many, how many go by without? It's like, like crime. Criminals commit crimes every day, and a small percentage right. of them get caught, right? right. So, one looking at this, 1.2 million bucks is this is this right? Wrong? I mean, like Syl was saying, does this speak to the the ownership, pro, you know, or ownership policies of the social media sharing network that, 
I don't know. I don't even know where to go with this. I'm just seeing, <laughs> this is what the 1.2 well, mil. I, 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 know, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to po- post a lot more images on Twitter, hoping that yeah. they get stolen by the AFD. Yeah. Well, copyright all your stuff. That's, <laughs> that's what you should be doing. Copyright right, all Right. Well, I mean, it's amazing to me that organizations like the AP and AFP and Giddy played so fast and loose with it. So the only thing I can think of is, you know, this was a heat of the moment. I guess this was a, fo- a photo that was taken during the earthquake in Haiti. So for them, they kind of probably did a, a cost-benefit analysis and said, you know what, we this we don't have these pictures, you know, we'll we'll just use this one and maybe we'll get some heat for it. And mm-hmm. but you know, you know, they probably got a lot more money out of it than what they're probably shelling out for the image. I mean, I don't know. I think it's it's undespicable and unreal that these organizations, you know, the Associated Press and AFP and whatnot are doing this. It's, it's just. Right. You think they would know, if anybody would know better, that they would know better. I, I think they also take into account, I, I think they do this with impunity. I, I think big business does this all the time, saying, oh, yeah, we might get caught once right. in a while, mm-hmm. you know, but and when we do get caught, it's going to be 100 grand, 500 grand, million, whatever. What I also find fascinating about this case is the fact that it, like, whose jurisdiction was it really in? Because the guy's Canadian. I presume he was in Haiti because it was a newsworthy, time-sensitive image of the earthquake. Um, it was picked up by a French news agency and licensed back to American news agencies. Obviously, he got a good IP attorney, intellectual property attorney. Um, he said, let's go to New York and file the claim there because I'm sure in the state of New York, um, you know, they chose their jurisdiction for this case very, very carefully. Um, because it's not like this was born and raised and died entirely in New York. This ping-ponged across all jurisdictional lines. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. And it, it just sort of raises the idea that when we start talking about this sort of thing, photographers just, you know, we glaze over, right? You just get confused because it's like this layers. Like, Sil, you were talking about, you know, it happened in this jurisdiction. The photographer's over there, but they filed over here to get the most bang for their buck and blah, 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 blah. If, I don't know about you guys, but as a photographer, I just want to shoot. I want to shoot my stuff and share. I don't want to be in courts and well, but maybe if it was a 1.2 million dollar payoff, I would. <laughs> I think but, we all would. Yes. Yeah, but generally speaking, I you know I don't want to. I think Aaron Aaron Nace was on a while back. We were talking about people stealing your images and and policing that, and I think he put it very well. And he was basically saying, you know, who has time for that? You know, people are going to steal, people are going to steal. Right. You know, in the end, you want to shoot and do more cool stuff and learn more. Who wants to be the guy tied up in court and, like, having all that negative energy sap away your creative energy, right? And I, I have to agree with that. Unless there's a $1.2 million service, <laughs> then I could give up some creative energy. Yeah. I mean, my guess is, I mean, what Silsa was right, and as I was saying, you know, the, the AFP probably did a cost-benefit analysis, figured out, you know, we'll pay $100,000, you know, and, and be done with it. Yeah. You know, we'll settle with a guy. And I bet this guy said, you know what, I don't think we're settling. I think we're going all the way. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's because a lot of these get settled. Most of these get settled pretty quickly when you read I, about it. I'm rereading the text. It does say it's a one point two million dollar settlement mm-hmm. um, so it's probably one of those I don't know you know well, it's a federal jury, but... isn't it? a federal jury awarded so so yeah I'm reading the show notes rather than the actual link yeah. I'm not smart enough to hit a link um, <laughs> but you know I, if, if I was ever going to be reincarnated as an attorney I've already decided I want to be an intellectual property attorney just for my own entertainment mm. 
it is a fascinating area of the law and as we become you know increasingly as a society consumer of technology and find new ways to communicate new ways to create images and I mean everything we've been talking about tonight 4k and all that it's like man the, the frontier for intellectual property law is wide open and there's there are going to be situations you know legal situations that just happen when everybody's thinking they're acting in good faith which may have been the case initially here I don't know um, and then in hindsight they go oh no we're gonna we're gonna reverse engineer this case based upon whatever but um, intellectual property law is just a, it's a fascinating and, and crazy so if you were if you were to be reincarnated I cannot I'm sorry I cannot see you <laughs> in any sort of lawyer capacity at all maybe I mean it's a stretch to see you doing something as conservative as like being lead player and in a band with a guitar or something <laughs> Cause you, you, I think you're right where you're supposed to be, man. I don't know. <laughs> all right, all right. Moving on, as they say in the trade. <laughs> yes, yes. You, you fell right into where you're supposed to be. All right, guys. Before we, before we continue with the listener Q and A, I want to give a nod to our second sponsor for this episode of this week in photo, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution that's built for small business owners just like you. For a limited time, you can try FreshBooks free for 60 days. To get started, just visit GetFreshBooks.com and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And it's tax time. If you're not using FreshBooks, your life is probably a mess right now. You're hunting for receipts. You're digging through invoices, going through every record one by one. It's the worst. FreshBooks is a simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. And with FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports with just a few simple clicks. Plus, you can work anywhere with FreshBooks using their mobile apps for your phone and tablet. And I use FreshBooks personally to manage the This Week in Photo universe by because you know it's kind of a one-man band here, managing all the expenses and the invoicing and the clients and all advertisers, all that stuff. So FreshBooks is the back end to everything on This Week in Photo. It automatically invoices advertisers, it invoices everything, keeps everything in track, and when I need to run reports for tax time, it's a few simple clicks, and boom, I'm done. I don't have time, I wanna be a photographer, I wanna be out shooting, so FreshBooks makes it easy for me to just get everything done. And it's, uh, it's, it's just a great service, it's a godsend for getting things done as a very thin operation in terms of headcount. Um, and you know, for me, if I if I knew known about FreshBooks when I first started this week in photo, a ton of headaches would have just gone away. I mean, we receive invoices from people using FreshBooks, so they, you know, when when we send things out, they look professional. We get paid online, so there's no hassle of mailing checks or anything crazy like that. So FreshBooks is awesome. And like I said at the beginning, for a limited time, you can try FreshBooks for free for 60 days. Just get started at GetFreshBooks.com and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And right now, FreshBooks is giving our listeners and viewers an extended 60-day free trial just to make sure you can get through tax time 
in a breeze. They're trying to make everything easy for you. So head over to getfreshbooks.com, enter this week in photo in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up and enjoy and make sure you know, you tell them that this week in photo sent you. All right, guys, it's time for our listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer a question that has been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. And we've already, looks like we've already kind of hit this one a little bit at the top of the show, but let's do it again. This one's from Andrew Slater from our G Plus community page. He says, quote, how will 4K change the industry? Will videographers have the ability to capture video and then go back later and make a print from a single frame? Just curious how everyone is initially perceiving this new technology that will be coming soon. So we kind of touched on it already. So you have anything to add to what we talked about at the top of the show? It's not coming soon. It's It's been here. Uh, you know, I think Red has had 4K for quite a while. Um, the high-end guys in Hollywood have been shooting 4K for I won't say a long, long time because that's just all relative. But uh, I think in terms of the prosumer market, yeah, 4K sounds relatively new. But it's so I understand it. It's been out there for a while. Um, it's the whole trickle down thing, you know. Is it going to change the industry? Yeah, eventually. Um, but seriously, you know, they'll be talking about 8K in a couple of years. I mean, we went from standard def to 2K to 4K, and they'll mm-hmm. just figure out a way to double the resolution. Yeah. And pretty, you know, it's kind of like your flashcards. It's like, oh, I got 32 gigabyte cards as my standard now. When five years ago, those were like the really high-end, rare, expensive things. Yeah, absolutely. I remember my. Um, you guys remember the Sony Mavica floppy oh, disk yeah. camera? Yeah. That was one megapixel. I think it's one megapixel or so. Yeah. One point two megapixel or something. Disc, right. Yeah, on a floppy disk. You put it inside. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I wish I had it. If you still had it, you could sell it on eBay and retire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, See, that's why. See, and you're in education. You are an educator. Is that what you're teaching our youth? Always buy, never sell. That's a good lesson to learn. Yes, or how about this? Buy low. Sell high. Buy low, sell high. There you go. The law of small numbers times a slightly larger number makes a really large number. <laughs> That's internet marketing. I don't know. Uh, Juan, do you have anything to add to this 4K question? Well, you know, one of the things that I've seen people, I, I mean, I think 4K is here to stay, and it's only going to, you know, the, the, the reach of it is only going to grow. And I think one of the things that, um, or one of the ways I've seen it being used is where, um, producers or people like me are, are, are producing some of the footage at 4K and then editors and <clears throat> show producers and whatnot are then taking that footage and cropping it in. That's one of the advantages of shooting 4K that allows someone to crop it in into the image um, without losing any sort of quality when they then downsample down to 1080. I know, for example, that's one of the techniques that I use a lot. I shoot everything in 1080. But I hardly ever publish anything in 1080. I publish everything, almost almost everything in 720p. Hmm. And one of the reasons is because it allows me a little flexibility to crop in and still get the good quality that's there. And 4K is only going to do that. I know that, for example, <clears throat> the BBC has been doing that for quite a while with um, some of their nature shows when they needed really long reach for some of those uh, scenes. Yep. Um, they were shooting that in 4K with long lenses and then crop in really nice and tight and still get the quality they needed to show at 1080p. Mm-hmm. Or you locked can do it a two-camera shoot too, right? Because you could or make, make it look like a two-camera shoot with one camera. So you're doing a, a stand-up or an interview and you know how you see the shot where the, the, the technique where they jump in a little closer to the person's right. face and then jump wide again and then back in. You know, you can do that with one camera instead of having two cameras. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, I, I mean, anytime your name becomes a verb, you know you made it. But I've seen guys who've done a Ken Burns move, you know, instead of panning the camera, right. they're just going right. to lock it down <laughs> and they're going to let it let the action run. And then they'll do their camera moves in a post. la Ken Burns in post. Yeah. So, yeah, if I mean, if I was starting out today, I would definitely pay attention to 4K because I think it gives you the options going forward. But that said... If I couldn't afford the 4K gear and the 4K workflow, and I still had a passion for it, I don't go find a Super 8 camera. I mean, if you're called to shoot motion, figure out a way to make that happen. Because yeah. I also think a lot of this 4K business is marketing hype. It's what the people who live and feed their kids by selling gear have to dish out to us this year. It's yeah, the on the other side of that, though, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of it's marketing coming from a marketer, right? But at the same time, it's marketing and marketing hype drive evolution and progress because you have to find a way to get people to buy the next mm -hmm. thing or else you're going to go out of business. And that and the art of finding the next thing that they want is technological progress, right? So. Hey, like with iPhones, hey, now people, they want a slightly larger iPhone now, so maybe I, Apple will come out with a larger iPhone. Of course, they're going to market the heck out of that, and do we really need that? Probably not, but do we want it? Probably yes. So people will purchase that, and now Apple will have the money, even though they have more money than, you know, Pentagon, they will have the money to go on to the next year and do it all over again. So it's, I mean, a, it's yeah. a cycle, right? And, and think about think about the, the TVs. I mean, how long do people keep TVs around? You you should t keep a TV for quite a long time, right? And it's not yeah. like a phone Decades, or a computer yeah. where you are going every, one every two years or three years. So they need to figure out a way to hook you into getting the next thing. You know, first it was the 1080p, now then it was the 3D, now it's going to be the 4K for the home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, for those manufacturers that are watching, if they want people to have an easy, want people to make or make it easier for people to buy the next big thing, they have to make it easy for them to get rid of the old thing that they just bought. <laughs> yes. right? right? I mean, we're not Fred Sanford over here. For you that you folks are too young to know, Fred Sanford was a show or he's on a show called Sanford and Son. He had a jump Sanford and Son, yeah. Yes, yeah, junkyard for you young people that are under a certain age. Um, but you know, if if they would like like partner with an eBay or somebody so that they'd say, okay, hey, for this price, you'll get the thing. And, you know, for a slightly reduced price, we'll take your old thing back, you know, and we'll sell it for you or something like that. So to make it easy for you to slide into it and not feel like, okay, I got I bought a new TV. Now I got to get rid of the other one. Now I got to do the whole eBay thing that Syl was talking about and, you know, worry about the Nigerian scammers trying to get me to get, send the money and all that stuff, right? But what do you mean? You, you can't use a 60-inch TV in your bathroom when you're operating one to could. 4K in your living room? Be vertically oriented, I could probably do <laughs> Use it as a shower door. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, I'm looking at 70-inch TVs. That's why yeah, I would really... I want one to put back here, actually, to put on the mm -hmm. wall behind me because that's a yeah, little... I've given up on the TV thing. I just have a projector instead. I have a screen and a projector, 100 inches wide, and that oh. works really well. How's that, that work? It works really well. The only time it doesn't work is in the you know during the day. But I never watch TV during the day, so it doesn't. That's when I watch TV. Once so it wouldn't work for me. I like I work oh. from home, so I'm like I take a break. Yeah. I go watch something on Netflix while I eat my lunch, and then I come back to work. So. Yeah. Then you you got to make sure you have thick blinds to be able to cut out all the light in your in your living room. Yes. Then it'll work. Yes. 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 
All right, guys. Um, I think that was... Yeah, I think we, we killed that question. Let's move to the, pick the picks of the week. This is the segment where you guys get to pick something to recommend to the uh, the uh, TWIP audience. So why don't you go first? What's your pick of the week? Yeah, hey, I'm going to give a shout-out to the Rocky Mountain School of Photography up in Montana. It's a great program. Cool. I'm going to be up there um, second half of June, I think it is. I'm going to do a week-long flash photography workshop. And I have to confess, you know, before they invited me to come up to teach, I'd never really taken a super close close look at their program. Uh, what an amazing facility and an amazing community they've put together up there. So if you're not familiar with Rocky Mountain School of Photography and you want to learn some photo techniques or practice a new idea, check them out. Very cool. The Rocky Mountain School of Photography. Cool. All right. We'll link to that, definitely. All right. Juan Pons, what about you? What's your pick of the week? Well, you know, um, March 31st was World Backup Day. I'm not sure who came up with this, a marketer or what, but I'm sure. These months and days. I mean, I saw something the other day. It was like World – it was from the electric company. It said, this is uh, World Safe Digging Month around power lines or something. I'm like, there's only one month when that's safe? Really? <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I came up with that World Backup Day thing. I mean, it is it is real, but I came up with that just to you know, to make it a little bit more interesting. But no, seriously, I mean, a lot of people. I, I I deal. I have a lot of clients that I work with that I do consulting on on technology side because you know my previous life I was an engineer for large computer systems and whatnot, and I'm just amazed. Almost everybody that I help has no real backup strategy, and their stuff is on a computer that you know is you know next to. A case of wine, or or they're drinking and eating in front of the TV with it, and all their images in it. So um, I always try to get people to do the. There we go. They try to get people to do the backups, and I have my drink over here too. By the yeah, way, yeah, we're we're all, like, we're all and my drobos um, are like right there. So. I know, mine are right here too. <laughs> um, so you know, I encourage everybody to do backups, and you know, I I've been using, and I really like the folks at CrashPlan. You know, I pay for this. I'm not getting any. They're not a sponsor of mine or anything, but I absolutely love. Love, love, love what they do because, you know, when you compare it to a lot of the other services out there, they are far beyond the best of them out there. Maybe we can talk about that at length in some other episode. Yeah, we definitely should because I'll tell you, I did a talk uh, just this past week at Macworld Expo in the Drobo booth. We were and my right. my talk my talk was titled "The Streamlined Photographer." So of course, I was talking about you know the, my mirrorless stuff and how I have a light bag and I'm able to get around and you know do a lot more stuff than I did before. Um, but the end of the talk, I was talking about backup strategies and you know highlighting my specific backup strategy, which is two Drobos. Basically, it's a Drobo Mini that served as my sort of active storage. It's it's Thunderbolt or uh, yeah Thunderbolt. So you know all my active movies or whatever I'm editing live right on there. And then below it, I have two Drobo 5Ds that are identical. And using SuperDuper, the SuperDuper software, they mirror one mirrors to the other one every night. So I have a redundant. So it's a RAID, so it's redundant that way. But then it's backed up. So the bullet, the, and I, I called this out. The hole in my strategy, obviously, Juan, which you highlighted here, is the if outside. those go away, my house goes away. You know, something happens, I'm screwed. Right. So. <laughs> The next step is to get this stuff in the cloud, but the problem for for me with that is I create far more data than I can upload. You know, so it's like walking on a treadmill that's going faster than you are. So 
Yeah, my computer, I'm I'm constantly backing up. To me, there's no time in which my computer is not backing something up because you're right. We produce a lot more data than we're actually able to send up through the pipes on the Internet. Yeah. You know, and, and my backup, actually, it's kind of funny you mentioned it because it's very similar to you, my strategy. I have two Drobos, one right next to each other, mm -hmm. and they get copied from one to each other every night. Yeah. The same thing. So I have a backup here at home, but then that is also then backed up to the cloud as okay. well. Um, because, yeah, I need to get to that point. I need like to get you to said, that. yeah, like you said, if you might, the house catches on fire or someone breaks into your house and takes it, you're, yeah. I mean, you're you're hosed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like you said, I mean, I, my my system is constantly backing up. Right now, if I'm looking at it, it's going to be done in 54 days. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Assuming <laughs> that you don't create any more data within that 54 well, days. I, I will. I will. So it'll be another, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you know, Mister, I'm editing video and shooting video every day. So right. Come on. Right. But, you know, but then I go away for a while and I don't, you know, do that much stuff. And I take some stills and that catches up on the video. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, eventually it evens out at yeah. some point in time. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, cool. Well, thanks for that. So your, your pick of the week is Crash Plan then, right? Crash Plan, correct. All right, awesome. I'm loading my pick of the week up here now. So my pick of the week is um, it's from our friends over at PhotoDeck. So the interview in this episode of This Week in Photo at the end of the show is going to be Amanda Eddy. She uh, works over at ProShow, um, or actually at PhotoDeck, who are the, the company that puts out ProShow. So PhotoDeck and Skip Cohen, a good friend of ours, uh, or of the shows and mine personally, have launched the Ultimate Photo Story Contest. So... Basically, here's, here's what they say it is about the contest. So I'm on the front page of photodex.com, the ultimate story. So it says, our industry is flooded with contests, always looking for the ultimate image. Well, Photodex and Skip Cohen University together have set out in search of the ultimate story. Nothing tells a story with more impact than the combination of still images and video, whether you shoot documentary style, photography, weddings, landscapes, portraits. We want to see your best visual stories. Submit your photo plus video stories for a chance to win some of our famous or from our, some of our fabulous prizes. And what are their prizes? So they've got uh, the Panasonic Lumix GH3, a 500 gift, 500 buck gift card to Profoto, uh, Color Monkey photo uh, color management solution, ProShow Web Premium, which is not cheap, um, and a subscription. Oh, you're gonna and they'll publish you in Resource Magazine, which by the way I am in this most current. Uh, uh, what do you call it, edition of the magazine. So definitely check that out. So anyway, um, the ultimate story, it's at photodex.com slash the ultimate story, but we'll link over to that. If you're interested, definitely check that out. So before we close the show off, speaking of what they're trying to do here, so they're trying to, it uh, looks like Photodex and Skip are promoting the this hybrid sort of, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. I've heard it called many names, but the, the blending of still and motion together to create one product that you, didn't, that you then share with your customer. So is this something that you, as a photographer, are interested in moving in that direction? Oh, I've been moving in that direction for years. The, the, my Achilles heel is editing, you know, yeah. editing motion. Because here's the reality of it. Um, at least from my perspective and the projects I'm interested in most doing, um, you've got to have great sound, and that's something you know. That's a whole nother bailiwick right there. But so for me, the kind of things I'm interested in doing, I got to have great sound. Mm -hmm. um, I've got to have good camera movements. You know, those kind of things I actually have control of. Mm -hmm. But man, then it's like the post-production and the editing and sequencing and 
honest, so you know, I was a really early adopter way back in the 5D Mark II era, and then I totally got sidelined by Speedlighter's Handbook, and when I came back, it's like, holy cow, I have all these other things to do. <laughs> I got other cool but, stuff to do. But it's a lot of stuff. I don't need to do that. I'm going to do this know, other stuff. As, as, but I, I did cause me to rethink, you know. It's like I tell people I'm an image maker, and sometimes those images stand still, and sometimes they move. Yeah, yeah. So. Juan, what about you? Are you getting? In, I know we know you're editing, obviously, and probably <laughs> uploading right now as we speak to back that stuff up. Um, but but combining still and motion to make like a unique product. Do you do any of that stuff? Oh, absolutely. I've been doing that for like say for a long time. You know, and I think I started more with stills with a little bit of motion in them, mm -hmm. and now I moved more into video with some stills in them. Um, I'm not doing so much of this of the stills with videos with motion in them but more so the videos. I mean, I'm still primarily a stills photographer, but I do a still a lot of uh, a video work. And still is right. I mean, editing is, I mean, I think, I believe that some people are born to be editors, to be able yeah. to do edit, and some are not. I am not one. To me, it's an incredible amount of work and just hard, and, and, and I mean, and it drains so much energy out of me. Where I have some friends, I know some people, some editors are just so good at it. To them, it's like, you know, like, like, like walking and chewing gum at the same time. It's, it's yeah, not a big yeah. deal. Well, editing, editing, and I'm I'm not a video editor by any stretch. I edit my own stuff, but that's right. like cut, 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 done, publish. Um, but editing in general is a it's a visual language, right? I mean, you could make. Right. I was reading this book about editing, and they're just talking about how you can, if done correctly, you can make people cry, you can make them laugh, you can make them uncomfortable, yes. you can make them afraid. I mean, you look at old Alfred Hitchcock movies, right, with no blood in them, like shower scene from Psycho. You know, it's all editing, all editing, and you can you can move mountains by just moving where you place that edit. And if you do it wrong, you can look like an idiot. <laughs> so just yeah, and, that easily. And going back to what Sil said too, I mean, audio is. It probably even more important than the visuals themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a saying that says, you know, you, you can make a great, uh, you can make some some not so great video great by good audio, but the reverse is not true. You could have the best video footage, and if your audio sucks, it totally changes the psyche of that person who's watching that video, and it will degrade the quality of that video in that person's mind. So mm -hmm. audio, I mean, audio is a whole like discipline, and actually getting that right. It's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's not that difficult. Just It takes some time to learn. Yeah, I'll tell you, one, one movie, before I close this off, one movie that I saw just today during my break, as I mentioned, um, is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I think it is. The Secret, yeah, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty with ben, featuring uh, or starring Ben Stiller. Awesome movie. And it has mm. a photography sort of DNA throughout the entire movie because he's a time-life cool. photo editor and, you know... It's really, really, it took me by surprise because the movie is like, I was, you know, Vince Diller movies generally are just a little stupid, slapstick or whatever. Right. This movie was really well done. It's one of those movies I was like, okay, I have to buy this one. I need to watch it again because it's well edited. It's well scripted. It is, it, you, it's one of those that you have to watch twice because then you watch it the second time. You're like, oh, I see what she's saying uh -huh. there. Okay, I get it, you know. It's one of those. Plus, it's based in photography. You know, like he he finally makes it to this. Uh, I think he's in the Himalayas trying to find this photographer. He finally makes it, and that photographer happens to be Sean Penn. And there's Sean Penn sitting on the side of a mountain, waiting with his camera, 
to and it happens to be a Nikon, which of course is masked off. But it's, he's up there with his Nikon and long lens, trying to shoot this lion, you know, or this uh, this tiger up there. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. If I had to put a second pick on my pick of the week, it would be that the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. For you, gonna have to watch that. You gotta watch it. You will you, tell me what you think. Email me and tell me I what will. you think. Yeah, I definitely will. I'll watch it this weekend. Yeah, it's on. Uh, I watched it on um, on iTunes. iTunes, so, yeah. Yep. yep. Cool. All right, guys, we're at the end of another fantastic episode of TWIP. I want to give special thanks to our two sponsors, FreshBooks.com and ShutterBooks.com. Stay tuned at the end of this show for, like I said, a special interview with Pro Shows or Photo Dex's Amanda Eddy. I think she did a great job. If you want to watch her. Uh, as I interview her, we did a hangout for this interview. It will be on thisweekinphoto.com with this episode. So if you're watching this on the site, down below will be the Amanda Eddy uh, interview. All right, guys. Silarina, where can people go to keep up with you and all of your antics online? Yeah. <laughs> like when I'm on TWIP? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the best place to check me out is my blog, pixelated.com. P as in Paul, I-X, S as in Sil, Y-L. A-T-E-D, pixelated.com. Pixelated, awesome. Kind of like what the Hungarians expect us to do to the police space. <laughs> I got there <laughs> first, right? <laughs> if you want pixelation, just go to Silarina. It'll help you. Awesome. All right, pixelated.com. All right, Juan Pons, what about you? Where can people go to check you out? Mine's a little easier. Mine is juanpons.org, you know, where my website, I have links there to all my social media stuff, as well as just uh, posted a bunch of new uh, workshops for uh, the end of this year and next year, so make sure to check that out. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks to both of you guys for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. All right, listeners, and I want you to be sure to check out our website over at thisweekinphoto.com, and if you want to touch base with me personally, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at my site, it's at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. All right, guys. I am sitting here with Amanda Eddy. She's the PR person, PR manager uh, of a company called Photodex. Photodex makes a piece of software. One of the things they do is they make a piece of software called ProShow, and there's also a web component called ProShow Web. Now, Amanda agreed to come on, come on to talk about, we're going to talk about slideshows in general and that sort of thing, but also wanted to dive in to the company itself and where it's going because it seems to be, there's a couple of slideshow solutions on the market right now for photographers, so I want to kind of understand what ProShow is and you know, what problems it's trying to solve in the market. So, Amanda, welcome to This Week in Photo. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Thank you for coming. So let's talk about, so you're you're the PR manager. First of all, what is a PR manager? What does that mean? Uh, it's, a, it's a great title. Um, so I do events. I do uh, our social media. I work with um, I work with photographers in the industry, um, kind of all together in one to, to get our name out there. Okay. So you're, you're the touch point for everyone, right? Yeah. Okay. So then, so tell me about, about uh, the company Photodex, first of all, then we'll dive into ProShow. What is, what is Photodex and what's the mission statement for the company? 
Well, Photodex was founded in 1987, so we've been around for quite a while. Um, we seven? Yes, wow. can you believe I it? I know. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Um, we started doing uh, digital content management back then. Um, the guy who founded the company, Paul Schmidt, uh, is a programmer, and he wrote one of the first thumbnailing browsers for DOS. And we've just kind of gone along from there. We had a product for a long time called CompuPic, which was a digital content manager. Um, and then we moved into ProShow, and now ProShow Web, and now Apps Online. So. Um, it, it's great that we've been around so long and we're continuing to be innovative and, and in the market. So that's where we cool. are now. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really cool. I mean, that's so you guys have to be one of the longest running <laughs> tech companies out there. I mean, you've seen companies come and go and you're like, yeah, we're Definitely. still here. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, people are like, oh, when did you guys start? And when I say 1987, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> that's yeah. like a long time ago. So, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So let, let's talk about just slideshow software in general for a second. Like I said in the in the intro there, there's a lot of software solutions out there for photographers. I mean, we've got you know we've got Animoto, we've got desktop solutions that we can you know we can build slideshows out of you know say iMovie or if you want to dive in deep, you can do it in Photoshop or whatever, or or After Effects, right? You can do some crazy mm -hmm. kind of things in there. Where, where, what's the point of differentiation for software like ProShow? What, what makes it different than going with something that's, you know, kind of more mainstream? Um, so especially doing something like After Effects, you know, that's making a photo video slideshow and that's going to be very cumbersome because it's not really built for that, but you can do it. So ProShow makes everything really, really easy. Um, you bring in your content, you pick a theme, you add music, and you hit go. And the software um, on desktop or ProShow Web Online will kind of automatically create your video for you. Um, it, to, what differentiates it from a lot of other products that are out there is um, the amount of custom, customization you can do to your final product. So you can go in and say, I want this image to last on the screen for five seconds. I want this one to last for three seconds. You know, you can really um, get into the nitty gritty and uh, customize pretty much any aspect of your, of your final show. No, can you can you get in there? Like, if I have a soundtrack and I want to sequence the images to the beat of the music, I know, like for example, in After Effects, you can go in. I think it's the B key or something. You can go mm -hmm. in, you put your soundtrack in, you listen to it, and you just strike the key where you want these markers to go, and then you snap mm -hmm. your images to those markers. Can you do something similar to that, where you can have your slides show up at, you know, specific times? You can do that with our desktop software. Um, so we have something called record slide timing, and it works the exact same way. You can either use your mouse uh, button, or you can use a button on your keyboard to click, and it'll automatically put a transition in uh, to, the, to the next slide. So you're kind of syncing on the beat along with your show. Um, with Prussia Web, it'll automatically sync your, um, your photos and videos to the length of a song. It doesn't actually do like beat detection, but uh, it's something we're looking into because that's really cool. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So then, so then, where? So talk to me about the like how you're positioned against, and or let me let me rephrase the question. So when I look at web-based softwares like this, one of the concerns that I have as a photographer are, I don't want my stuff looking like every everybody else's stuff, right? So mm -hmm. when it goes out there, I want you know I don't want people to think, oh yeah, he just he used he used you know an easy solution, and now he's right. going to charge me seven hundred dollars for this. You know, how do you combat that? You know, that that oh, 
like you know, and I'll call spade a spade. Like with with um, Animoto, and some people, mm-hmm. at least the previous versions of Animoto, people would look at it and they're like, okay, that's an Animoto slideshow, you know. Right. And you don't want that. You don't want people to look at it and say that's a Frederick Van slideshow. You know, how do you? Right. How do you yeah. Um, we actually have quite a few tools that let you, uh, especially with ProShow Web, um, give each video a really unique look. Um, with a premium account, you can create custom themes, and themes are kind of the set of effects that get applied to your photos and videos. So if, you, if your aesthetic, if, if the way that you like your um, everything to look is really clean and simple, you can go in and say, okay, I want to create a new theme just for me that has uh, cut transitions and like uh, filled frame um, effects that zoom in just a little bit, you know, and you know you can create your own look. So you don't have to use the canned ones that come with it. Um, you can create your own thing and you can save it. So the next time you come in, you go, okay, I'm gonna use my Frederick Van theme and and go, and and it's already done, and you can just kind of go from there. So um, that's one way that you can really create a unique look and then keep that look consistent for your for your photography. That's that's cool. Just so mm-hmm. I can, and I can create a number of different looks. I would assume, right? So that I want yeah, Frederick Van one, two, yeah, as many as you want. Yeah. So we have got, um, especially with like spring sports coming up, uh, people are doing like, hey, here's baseball, here's you know softball, here's this, here's that, and they can create their themes and then just go in with a new, uh, a new set of content and drop it in and then recreate their videos each time. Got it. Now, what are what are the main differences? Because you got Pro Sh- the desktop version, which I know is mm-hmm. PC only right now, and you're working on a mm-hmm. Mac version, hopefully. Uh, yes. <laughs> but what are the main differences between the desktop version and the web version? In other words, am I is is the web version a light version of the desktop version, or are they two completely different tools for different purposes? Uh, they're they're very similar. So our desktop software um, ProShow producer is going to give you just total control over every aspect of your show. Um, it has built-in authoring for DVD and uh, Blu-ray, CD. You can go in and make a, a menu for your discs, um, and then you can do stuff like we were talking about uh, and do like the beat syncs and you know all of that. So you can get really really custom um, with everything. Yeah. Um, ProShow Web was built off of the concept of producer, so. It takes all the really cool stuff in Producer and it makes it easier to use and, and it's all done in the cloud. So um, it very similar. You don't have as much control, but you still can create a really cool video um, in just a matter of minutes. Um, cool. One thing that Produce, or Prusha Web has um, that's a benefit is that when you're making your slideshow, you've got your images and your video, you can add music from our built-in royalty-free music library which is a big thing, you know, where do you get music from? Because uh, when you're sharing stuff online or you're making something to sell for a client, royalty-free is always the way to go. So having that royalty-free music library on the online version is uh, a big benefit for and that And that's not in the desktop version? You don't have access? It's not, yeah. The desktop software is going to be kind of like Lightroom or Photoshop where you just install it on your computer and it, it's there. So. Is the, is the future, you know, and I know you're the PR manager, so you can't really speak to what's coming up next, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you think the future of all this stuff is moving away from the desktop and into the cloud? In other words, will we see the power of the desktop slowly trickle into the cloud with, like, the beat timing and all that stuff? Uh, I mean, we're cer- we're certainly doing that now. When ProShow was launched three years ago, it didn't have, I mean, half the things that it did now, and we're slowly bringing in uh, more of what is in this desktop software into ProShow Web. So we've got updates that are coming up to, like, our app that are letting you, um, on your phone or iPad, add a caption 
onto a photo or video clip, something that was previously only in the desktop software. And then we put it in the web version, and now we're putting it on the, the mobile app. So yeah, I, I really do think that things are moving that way. I mean, you know, desktop applications aren't going anywhere because for heavy processing and rendering and stuff like that, I mean, you've still got to have robust apps on your, your computer that you can use. But uh, cloud-based services are really, you know, coming into their own, and you can do so much online now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, like, for example, this interview, we're doing it in the cloud, whereas <laughs> before, I mean, you know, before we would record it maybe through Skype or in person, in person and then bring all the bits in, edit it together, compress it, then upload it into the cloud, then share it. The cloud makes all that stuff easier. So, yeah, I, I applaud that. So what about the um, the idea, or actually, can you walk me through like a soup to nuts. So I'm a I'm a photographer. Say I'm a I'm shooting models, right? So I go out, I do a model shoot and I want to do a slideshow of you know the selects from that shoot. I've got mm -hmm. the images, I got my finished JPEGs that have been retouched in Lightroom or whatever and they're ready to they're, I'm ready to make a slideshow from it. What happens in ProShow Web specifically from that point? So if you're in Lightroom, uh, you can actually export directly to ProShow Web. We have a um, a Lightroom plugin. So you select your content and hit export and you can go directly to a, a new show or you can add content to an existing show, which is really cool. So if you've already got something going and you just want to add a few photos to it, you can do it that way. But if you're creating a new show, you would um, name your show, hit go, it's going to resize everything for you and send it to our servers. Uh, once it's there, you can log in and um, you'll pick your theme or you can create your own custom theme that we were talking about. Um, then you go in and organize the order of your photos. Um, you can just click to drag and rearrange them. You I would add in your music and then pretty much hit go and it will uh, automatically render a finished video for you um, depending on what theme you picked. That's going to be kind of the style and the look of your video. When it's done, it'll show you a preview and you can always go back and edit it. You know, um, One of the things that really sets us apart is the ability to select what effect gets applied to every single frame in your show. So if you've got a photo um, that you you know you want, like you don't want any flashy effects on it, you want it to be kind of just like still and um, in the center of the screen, you can click on it and then hit the effects button and then select just like a still effect or like a slow zoom just for that photo. Um, so lots of customization. So when you're done, you can um, preview it, you can go back and edit it. Once it's finished, you can download it to your computer as an MP4 all the way up to 1080p. Um, or you can share it uh, across a number of sites. So you can send it to um, Facebook, or you can embed it on your blog, you can put it up on Zenfolio or SmugMug, or you know wherever you're wanting to send the final video. We also offer um, DVD and Blu-ray ISO downloads. So if you're wanting to then burn those to disk, you can download a DVD or Blu-ray and then burn that for a client. That is really cool. So if I want to embed that, you guys, so am I understanding correctly, I get an MP4 and mm -hmm. you know, I can take the MP4 and of course I can upload that to YouTube or Vimeo or Wistia mm -hmm. or whatever and then take and embed it from there. But are you guys allowing me to embed directly from the ProShow servers? Yes, yeah. So it'll embed, and um, there's it's going to be really nice HD, so you can um, embed 364, 720, or 1080, uh, and then the player is totally unbranded, so it doesn't say you know Prussia Web or anything on it. It's a really nice, like unbranded player, and it's smart too. So if you hit it from an iPhone or from a desktop, it knows when you're on mobile, it'll switch to um, playing MP4 on your mobile device. So. 
That's really cool. That's really cool. Okay, so speaking of mobile devices, first of all, mm-hmm. you answered one question was, and that was, am I going to have Pro Show branding on it, or you know, will it be white labeled? Um, but what are you doing in terms of iOS? I mean, is there a Pro Show iOS or Android app that I can use to, you know, create slideshows on the go and then maybe finish them off on the web? Or are you moving in that direction at all? We d- we do. We have a app. I think it's been out for a year and a half. It could awesome. be almost two years now. Yeah, so uh, that was one of the first things we wanted to do when we released web. It was out, um, and then we wanted to get into the, the mobile space. So uh, there's an iPad and iPhone app. They're both really, really robust, and you can create a slideshow from scratch from within the app um, and then go back and finish it up if you want on your desktop. Um, so it, it's all there. You just log in with your same account, and you can access, edit, and then share all your shows. What's okay, cool no. to being on your phone is you can save it to your camera roll and then, um, you know, you always have your video there and you can carry it around and you have it on your iPad, your iPhone, so. Do I have the features, like, I can, can I share from the, the say I'm on my iPad and I create a cool slideshow and I'm done with it at that point and I love it, can I, like, can I grab that embed code and share it someplace or send it to Facebook or wherever directly from the app or do I need to come back to the to the web proper in order to do that? You can do that directly from the app. So you can send it directly to Facebook or YouTube or wherever you want to go. You can send a, a link for a client to view it directly from the app. Um, and they'll, they'll hit a page on our site, which um, you have two options for. You can have them hit it, and it'll say Pro Show Web at the top. But as a premium subscriber, you can make it a white label page where it, it doesn't say anything. It's black in the background, and um, they're just hitting a, a page with a video on it so that um, they don't know what you use to create the video. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's the uh, here's the big question here. Okay. How much? <laughs> so okay, I know it's so not a free service, but you know how, especially if there's no no advertising in the web version. What uh, what am I going to be looking at monthly for this service? So ProShow Web is a subscription base. It's um, twenty five dollars a month or one fifty a year for the premium white label version, and that's as many videos as you want to create. So it's pretty affordable, um, especially if you're selling these or using them as a marketing tool. Um, just one fifty a year. That's it. Yeah, and you could probably, yeah, yeah I would, I would charge two hundred dollars for one of my slideshows. So it's done. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So okay, so uh, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording this episode. You said you, you may be able to do a discount for the Twip listeners. What can you do for us? Yes, we can. We can do ten percent off ProShowWeb um, through the end of April with TWIP ten is the code. So 10% off through the end of April 2014 with the code TWIP10, T-W-I-P-10. Yes. Awesome. Amanda, thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure. It was great meeting you. I got to meet you in person at WPB. I know. We had a great time in Vegas. Yeah. Always always nice. Are you heading out to to NAB in a couple of weeks? I won't be at NAB. I'm very sad, but I know a lot of people are going. Are you going? I am going. I, you know, I think I'm thinking about buying some real estate in Vegas because I'm always there. You know, (laughs) you should do a timeshare or something. (laughs) I need to do something. It's crazy. I'm sick of that Vegas airport. I gotta tell you. Oh yeah. (laughs) So cool. Well, Amanda, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. So what's the what's the URL for this? So it's approach. What's the what's the direct URL where people can go to start watching your tutorials and all that stuff? So the main company website's photodex.com, and then uh, for ProShow Web, it's just ProShowWeb.com. Um, and either of those are going to have uh, links to the blog, and we've got training there. You can um, check out our YouTube channel. We've got, I think, like 
they do like one a week new training videos on how to use the software and how to get started and all that stuff. So yeah, it was really cool. I, I would encourage people to go dive into the YouTube channel. I spent a couple hours in there just sort oh, of okay. looking through it because I'm like, wow, this is cool. This is cool. Yeah. So yeah, and the and everything's very well done. So congratulations on all your success. Thank you very much. Yeah, great software, you know, helping photographers is not crazy expensive, and it makes us look better. So what's not to like? Right. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Amanda. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.